John at Ubaldi Reports, and with me is my great friend and fellow co-host Joe Bitts, who is actually or was a retired combat Marine from um, Iraq. And as today in this podcast, we got a lot to talk about. It seems like the country has gone to hell. Well, we're doing a remote. We're doing a remote, first of all. So, like, you're we're not even in the same room today. Yeah, that's that's a good point. We're doing remote because Joe's youngest daughter has. Well, yeah, and she she does, but I might have it. I don't know yet. Well, they may have the coronavirus, so we'll have to go from there. So we're paying. We're being safe, so we're doing this remote. That's the Omicron one, so I don't think it's that bad. No, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, even with the Omicron virus, I mean, you had Dr. Fauci and the director of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, in front of a Senate health, co- health committee panel. Yeah. And even there, they asked them, okay, if you've got the, corona, the coronavirus, or basically Omicron, how long do you... Once you have the symptoms and you're, you, you isolate, how long do you do it? What's the, what's the, the protocol after is it five days, 10 days? And then you had Dr. Fauci said one thing, and then you had the Center for Disease Control director said something totally different. Even Brett Baer on his program is like, okay, so which one do we go with? So why and is Fauci unfireable? He's not unfireable. Nobody in the federal government is unfireable. It's just that you got to have the guts enough to fire him. Yeah, because I think whoever, I think the way it works is that, because I think Trump wanted to do it, and I think Biden probably wants to do it as well, but the thing is that if there is, if there's a spike in the numbers and stuff like that, they would automatically have gotten blamed for firing their head guy who's in charge of stuff like that. There's different reasons. There's there's a political calculations. It's just like when Donald Trump fired James Comey of the FBI, he took a political hit yeah. because the Democrats accused him, oh, you're trying to bully the FBI. You don't want him investigating you. Okay, got that. Now, if Trump, Trump took a beating when it came to the coronavirus, and even Joe Biden said we shouldn't politicize this, but he very much politicized it. So if Trump would have fired Anthony Fauci, he would have taken a political hit because the Democrats would have came unglued. Mm-hmm. Now it's Joe Biden's turn. And Joe Biden, remember, he campaigned that he would shut down the virus. How's well, he doing right that? Now, he hasn't accomplished that. And even in Jan- July of July 4th of this, of this last past year, he stated, we've, we've turned the corner, we're moving forward. We've defeated the virus. He kind of like spiked the football like George W. Bush did with the mission accomplished in on that aircraft carrier yeah. that he landed on. So now there's been more deaths from the coronavirus in 2021 than there was in 2020. Mm-hmm. So remember some of the statements Joe Biden made in um, the campaign for the president. I will shut down the virus. He blamed Trump for almost everything. And now he's the president. And remember, he blamed Trump for where's the testing. Well, right now in January of 2022, we still don't have the test. Well, they, said, we still- they even said that the testing in itself 
is that the that they have a bunch of tests right now, but they're not putting them out. Well, but that's that. See, that goes contradictory to what he's stated before. He wants everybody to be tested, but you can't find the test. I got a friend who's in the nursing program or mm-hmm. studying to be nurse. She just gets to take the exam. She can't find tests. Most people cannot find the test. So the question I wish the media would do is due diligence instead of being cheerleaders or being mute because you don't want to make the president look bad is in March of 2021, they did the American Rescue Plan. $73 billion was allocated to for testing. Now, even in a hearing that I mentioned earlier, Susan Collins, the Republican senator from Maine, she stated that her staff, now this is her staff doing the research, found out that about $800 million in two instances in each case, money was diverted to the, to the border. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we need to find out, that's still an, an, an allegation from her staff, but we need to find out, is that true? Did yep. money get diverted that should have gone for testing, that should have gone to the healthcare of the pandemic? Was that diverted to non-coronavirus issues like going to the border? Yeah. So uh, they're really pulling for to get rid of this filibuster thing. Yeah, Joe Biden was, he went down to Atlanta to push his voter rights, uh, the John Lewis voting rights bill. Mm-hmm. And he basically, and there was a guy named Hugh Hewitt. He's a conservative columnist and, and radio uh, host. And he's kind of said, oh, I kind of like some of what he said until he went, he said, until Joe Biden went off the rails. He basically said, if you disagree with, with the voting rights bill, then you're a racist in the mold of Bull Connors, who was the public safety officer, I think, in, in, in Alabama. So and then for a second on something, because you said that he went to Atlanta to kind of push this, right? Correct. But yet it was him that kind of demnified Georgia for doing this. And then in turn, the MLB takes the World Series, or not the World Series, but the All-Star Game away. So it just seems like a like a slap in the face to kind of come back to Atlanta and be like, look, you got to change this up a little bit. Well, I think what he was doing is playing to his base more than trying to get people to convert it to a side. And the reason he went to Atlanta, because Atlanta is the home of Martin Luther King and the whole uh, more of the historically black colleges and a lot of the voter issues that were playing so he went there mm-hmm. but a lot of the things that are in the voting rights bill are unconstitutional because what it would do is nationalize it even james clyburn of south the congressional republic excuse me the congressional member from south carolina said that states shouldn't be controlling the voting that should be the federal government well in article two of the constitution it states anytime when it comes to voting the rules and regulations are up to the states. Because remember when Texas sued a couple other states for the election of 2020 and the Supreme Court told them, it's like, guys, you can't determine what another state does. Yeah, You can only control your state. And one of the, the obstacles is, is like, say, absentee ballot. 
Democrats want to just flood absentee ballots to everybody. And with like, even you take Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta, Georgia's voting law. I read the bill. They just said, if you want to vote through absentee, we need to know who you are. Give us a driver's license, an identification card, some type of social security number so we know who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, Democrats seem to be against voter ID because they look back decades ago when voter IDs were used to disenfranchise voters, but more people voted in 2020 than ever before. More minorities voted. And if you look at it, New York and Delaware, where George Biden is from, have a more restrictive voting than Atlanta or Florida or Texas. So when you call people a racist, or you are you're you're just like George Wall, George Wallace or Bull Connor or Jefferson Davis. Who was George was, Wallace again? George Wallace was the Southern governor. Okay. I want to say from Alabama, he was a segregationist. He he ran for president in 72, got shot. And, but he was a segregationist, prevented blacks from voting, prevented for integration of schools. If, if, he had this voting, heart. if this voting bill got through, would the Supreme Court kind of step in and be like, I mean, you can't do that? Well, that's the case. They would have to bring it to the Supreme Court. And, you know, and what goes to the court, anything is possible. Yeah. But right now, he wants the reason he wants to end the filibuster because a couple of Democratic senators like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Kristen Sinema of Arizona, they're, they're not in favor of it. Yeah. And the reason is they say that, hey, guys, we could lose the Senate and then we've done something and the Republicans will be okay. You didn't want the filibuster? We don't want the filibuster, so we're going to do what we want. Yeah. And it's just, but it's ironic that they're against, they want to abolish the filibuster. But remember in 2005, Joe Biden was adamant to keep it. You got um, Chuck Schumer, that he wasn't the Democratic leader then, but he was in the senior position of the Democratic Party. He said this would turn America into a banana republic. Yeah, only when, so it, now only I, when it doesn't work for only when it doesn't work for them. Exactly, because even Barack Obama in two thousand five said this would be a threat to democracy. Now they're saying it's a relic of the past because it's affected them. Now Joe Manchin wrote a bill, not wrote a bill, an op-ed in the Washington Post in March of last year, saying he wants to go back to the normal rules of the Senate, meaning all these things that the Democrats are doing, like the voting rights bill, the Build Back Better, have never gone through committee. They get marked up in committee. There's no opposition. It's like they just craft this bill here, vote on it. If you don't like it, like Nancy Pelosi said about health care, you need to vote on it so you can see what's in it. Mm -hmm. So... But see, and then if you go to today, the federal government reported the consumer price index jumped 7% in December from a a year ago. So prices have risen 7% from December of 2020 to December 2021. Mm -hmm. And what they do, 
is they don't just calculate fuel and food because that's always pretty volatile. They looked at everything. They looked at, I mean, they calculated that, but they also looked at rent prices, used car, new car prices. They looked at a cross representation about all different prices and everything has gone up. Mm -hmm. And then you see store shelves. I was at the grocery store about two weeks ago and I looked at the shelves and I'm like, why are they so empty? The grocer was like, well, people are buying up. And I go, no, it's because you've got a supply chain disruption. Yeah. I work at, you know, this local restaurant, as you know, we're always missing something. Yeah. There's always something not coming in on the shipment. And this impacts it. So, and this impacts low income in the middle class more so than the wealthy. So I want to go back a little bit to the, the voting law. One of the things that I heard was that if there is discrepancy or a problem with votes in any state that the DOJ could kind of step in and, and change that. Yeah, they, the but DOJ. also, but also the DOJ or the Attorney General is appointed by a president, so technically a president has control of votes. Well, that's the whole thing. If there were any changes or any problems, the the, the, the Department of Justice would be the the arbitrator of this, and this is just not what our founders wanted. They wanted everything done at the local level. So even if like, you know, Biden loses, he could have sent the DOJ in there to be like, change it. That's if they don't get the, they don't change the filibuster. Okay. So right now, <laughs> because right now they, they, it's handled at the local level. Like remember, probably the best example, remember Bush Gore 2000? Yeah. Well, it was settled by the U.S. Supreme Court, but it first went to the state Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Then it went to the U.S. Supreme Court, like it should. And And then they they kicked it back to Florida, right? No, they just, the state, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that that what Florida did was unconstitutional. And it was like seven to two that the Florida ruling was unconstitutional. The way it became five to four is the remedy to fix it. Basically, they said you cannot change the rules midstream. Mm-hmm. So, but that's an example where, but in this voting rights bill, the DOJ would make any changes. You would have to get their approval to make any changes. That's a contrary to the U.S. Constitution yeah. in Article Two that I stated, and I can't say it for also verbatim, but. Basically, it states that all federal laws, I mean, all voting laws and requirements for voting are emanated at the states. That's why each state has different rules. But when, they, go ahead. But, but when they float this idea you're racist and we're restrictive or we're disenfranchising voters is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, why doesn't New York... Or Delaware, all the citizens in that state are racist. It's just, and they're pushing a wrong argument because right now people aren't aren't concerned about voting. They are concerned about inflation, the economy, COVID, crime, immigration. Voting isn't even the, 
is barely registering not even 1% of voters' concerns. Well, because I think it's more a bigger concern to those who, who are in the Capitol versus those are what's really going on. Because they know that if they lose, if they lose by, you know, missing out on votes and stuff like that, they are no longer there. They're no longer to kind of push their agenda. And this is the way to control so they can keep themselves in the power. I did. So, but it's very dangerous when you play that game. Yeah, you're I mean, kind, of, really, kind of turning into like a monarch or a minor, a dictatorship or an authoritative where you change the rules yeah. to benefit you and you claim it's democracy. And that's like I was on my radio show this morning and I said one of the things that kind of angers me is every time they come out, oh, this is a threat to democracy. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You're the threat to democracy. You want to change the election rules and take it away from the state that has been enshrined in that constitution since the constitution was written and signed and ratified mm-hmm. back in you know, the, the late 18, late 1700s. So I was t- earlier we were talking about the filibuster and I kind of wanted to bring that up again is that could they use the filibuster to end the filibuster? You know, that's a good question. When, when is the filibuster implemented? Like when it's like a, when it's like a deadlock, and then so if no, I think at any time the, the maybe I'm I can sure break it down because you're like they, you're you're this intellectual, you're this scholar, you're this you know, you kind of study this stuff like that. But me, just like Joe Average here. From my understanding is that when, like, say there's a, t- a tie or there's a, a majority vote and it, they don't agree with it, the opposing party can uh, filibuster and then you would need a 51 vote. To no, end- you would need, um, I think to break the filibuster, you need 60 votes. But those that person's going until that until they, they, they get those votes correct and they have they made some little slight revisions but that's pretty much what you've got is accurate didn't, they, well, didn't pelosi like once filibuster for like 13 hours straight no 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 the filibuster is she spoke for like 13 hours or something filibuster is only in the senate not in the house okay and if you go by our founder, Alexander Hamilton wrote in the Federalist Papers, I think it was like Federalist 64 or 65, I think. Mm-hmm. And what he said is they, they knew the House was going to be based thing off emotion, pot, you know, emotions of the day. The Senate was supposed to be the cooling pl- place. Cool down, guys. Let's settle this down and let's come to a reasonable compromise. Mm-hmm. The filibuster wasn't initially in the Constitution, but it's evolved like a lot of changes to our, you know, our system of how things are done evolved over time. And the Democrats claim it was a relic of Jim Crow. Yeah, they used it during that period, but the Democrats filibustered a lot of things and used it very effectively when Donald Trump was president when he had the majority and the same thing with George W. Bush, when he had the majority. Mm-hmm. So now they claim it's, it's undemocratic because they can't get it to pass. Cause what we've got, what we've seen over the last number of years 
is all these major pieces of legislation are strip, simply partisan legislations. Yeah. Like the, the Trump tax cut was done on a party line vote. The, the Affordable Care Act, the Dodd-Frank, the financial reform, and other things were done strictly party line. Mm -hmm. The stimulus, the American Rescue Plan was party line. And the Democrats want to do this again to pass what they believe is going to help America, but even like Build Back Better, everything they're proposing does nothing to stop inflation, keep prices down, and this the bottleneck or anything like that mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see where he goes but he did, by just doing this he didn't change anybody's mind i think he made it worse especially if you're calling joe manchin a racist oh that's gonna sell it to him that's a that, and that's a he's a part of his own party right well yeah if that's if you're need joe manchin to call to cross it over the line Calling him a racist is probably not the best course of action. Yeah, because, you know, after somebody insults me repeatedly, I kind of bend and bow to their will and I do whatever they want. Oh, yeah. Don't you? So, uh, amidst, we were talking about what's it look like for 2024 coming up. And I know 2022 is on the, you know, is over closer but i was like is you know is hillary making a run for 2024 and uh i also think i mentioned how joe manchin was kind of maybe pivoting or positioning himself to maybe run for president in 2024 but you said the only, the only thing that would prevent joe manchin from running for president would be the um primary where he would be the progressives would be unglued they would nowhere near support Joe Manchin because they believe he failed. And some of the language they they used was very inflammatory. He lied. He's on trust. Even Biden said the same thing and had to walk it back. Yeah. So I don't think it would be Joe Manchin. He could get through the primary the system. In your vast knowledge of presidents and vice presidents and stuff like that, has there ever been a scenario where president who was didn't get the i guess the backing of the party before the next election yeah the one i could think of would be john tyler this is in the 1840s he was a member of the whig party and he did some things that the whig party didn't like and he never even got the nomination for right. running for re-election so they picked somebody else so, and that, that can happen. It's, that, I mean, yeah. it, it happens, so it can happen again. Yeah, it can happen because you're running as your party standing bearer. So if Joe Biden wants to run, he has to run through the primary. Now, in recent years, like with Jimmy Carter and George W. George w. Bush, not George W., but George H.W. Bush, they both received primary challenges. They beat back the primary challenger, but they lost the general election to the eventual president who, of the other party who won. Mm -hmm. So that could weaken Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden's going to be, I think, um, 78. He'll be 82, I believe, when he runs for re-election. He's also slowing down, have cognitive decline. And he had the biggest 
poll number drop of any president, at least in the modern era. So if he doesn't get this economy turned around, especially inflation or the perceived the economy is turning the corner, if he can't get coronavirus, or let's say we get through the Omicron and another variant pops up, he's he owns this now. So um, just and I do you think Jimmy Carter knows he was the worst president? I'm sure he knows that. He may not agree, agree with that in those terms, but I think he knows that he didn't have a successful presidency. Okay, now and now that you know he's kind of getting up there in age, do you think he's just holding on just enough to know that as soon as Biden surpasses him as being the worst president, is he going to be like, "I'm good," and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, I don't, I don't know if Jimmy Carter thinks it like that. He's been very critical of uh, Republican presidents, like basically he call, almost basically called George Bush a racist because of his handling of the Hurricane Katrina. Because if you looked at the the faces, they were all black. He mm-hmm. painted him as racist. He didn't care about the black community, which is further from the truth. Mm-hmm. But that's where we've got, they throw the race card out. And it's just, it is what it is. I think more the historians and other people, especially pundits, Look, they throw, especially concerned, they'll throw that out. But Joe Biden is not having a successful presidency. And if he can't get this economy righted, and let's say when the, the, as said, the Federal Reserve Chair said, we're going to be raising interest rates, that's going to slow the monetary side down. And it's going to make it more expensive to get business loans or personal loans. That's going to could potentially push us into a recession. So we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. So, um, you were talking about progressives and maybe like they're going to be eventually maybe a, some inner turmoil or like even like an all out civil war between the Democrats and the progressives. Yeah, the reason I said that is if the de- it's still an if, if the Republicans take back the House and let's say they take back the Senate, and if it's as big as waves I was in 2010 or 94 with the uh, contract of America where the Republicans won the, both the, the House and the Senate, and they got the House back for the first time in almost 50 years, mm-hmm. and they, they um, gained like 80 seats, the, de- the, the moderates are going to blame the um, – the progressives, because the moderates are going to lose their seats where the progressives, will they'll retain it and there's going to be a wave. And then it could impact the donor class because the Democratic Party has donors that donate to these campaigns. Are they going to be willing to donate money to these progressive candidates mm-hmm. who win and they, they force the moderates out? So they're going to be blamed. There's going to be some blame. There's kind of blame started in 2020, but I think this will be like a tsunami will be an internal civil war among the Democratic Party. So are the progressives maybe to the to the moderates like the Tea Party was to the conservatives? Is that kind of how? To a degree, <laughs> that's kind of be a, good, a, a good analogy. The difference with the Tea Party is the Tea Party were very conservative Republicans. But they still adhered to the Republican ideology of low taxes, less government, strong national defense, 
the, the, the progressives are all in on all these social changes and all this total transformation of the economy. The, um, the, the Republican Tea Party wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. They just were on how to get to those, those goals that I mentioned. The, the progressives, they're so adamant. They, it's either their view or no one's view. Even Barney Frank, who was very liberal, former congressman from um, Massachusetts, said of Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, it's all his, it's, it's either his view or the highway. There's mm -hmm. no compromise. And he said he hasn't accomplished anything in his whole time in Congress and in the Senate. Because if you look back at his record, what is the signature issue that he pushed? That's his bill. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have anything or very minimal legislative achievements for all those years in power. So we'll have to see come 2022. What else, still, what else we got out there? I mean, if you go back to Jimmy Carter, I mean, the economy did him in, but the final kicker was the Iran hostage crisis. Mm -hmm. So let's, I'm not saying we're going to get to that, but let's just say the economy's doing horribly and something happens overseas and the president looks clueless or inept in handling it. He already does, yeah. So look, look what happened in Afghanistan. The president just looked clueless. But this is the way he did. Now, that was quick and over. But what happens, let's say Russia goes into Ukraine. Does China use that as a, a springboard to go into Taiwan? And if the president just looks helpless or doesn't know what to do, that could be the final icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see in the next couple of years. All right. So how can they go ahead and get a hold of us, John? And have we gotten, get have we gotten any emails yet? Because you kind of been... I've got to go there. back. I've been working so much. I've got to go back and check. But we have got some in the past. But they can go to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you go to Facebook, we're on Ubaldi Reports Group. And obviously you could, which we haven't done at this one because of the COVID issue, but you can go to TikTok and check out all the videos I've done. And I talk about a, rock, a wide range of videos. I posted one today talking about inflation. We talk about the economy. So there's many ways you can get a hold of us. And we would like your viewpoints and what you think of these podcasts. And share TikTok and, you know. Yeah. We'll get the live stream up and running. Because our goal is to me not have to work at that local restaurant so I can do these full time and we can get a really good streaming package going. Yeah. So we can get more insight and we can list, we can talk to our listeners, yeah. which we would love to do. So, all right. Well, everybody enjoy and we will talk to you later. All right. Take it easy. Have a good day and keep listening to you, Baldy Reports. <laughs>